you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we meet Zoe, find out about the troubles in Plain Song, and talk about the Utaru. Welcome to episode 43 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game, so please feel free to join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord, where we have channels to discuss uh, Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, Spoiler Channel 2, just in case you don't want to get spoiled, just hop in there and talk to us. Uh, so, yeah, what happened on the last episode? Well, we finally made it into the Hades Proving Lab. We got a Gaia backup, and we also managed to find the location of Minerva. So the plan now is to find Minerva, combine her with Gaia, so Gaia can reboot, and then Gaia can help us find the other functions that are scattered across the planet. Or you think they're across the planet, but they're all in, like, the western part of the United States. Who knew? So <laughs> that's, Across that's, the planet to me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> might as well. They're all kind of kind of close. They ran away, but they didn't. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the plan. But then, you know, before we can be too happy about our plan, we actually met a new group of people, some highly advanced individuals that had some shields that Aloy could not crack. And then also Aloy met a clone of herself, uh, something that we kind of called, kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit, it's close enough. Pretty <laughs> much. Know, we called it yeah. called before, but she did meet a clone of herself. And so now, you know, we're still in the, the, the questions phase of this game. Like, who are those people? Where'd the clone come from? Why can't I hurt them? All these questions that need answered. So. Uh, we where we left off, Aloy had gotten spit out of a waterfall and then drugged through the current on the, at the bottom of a river. She was in pretty bad shape, but Varl found her and uh, carried her to safety. And that's where we're going to pick up today's show. And let's just have a quick overview of that. Aloy wakes up in an unfamiliar place, hurt badly. She is panicked because she can't find the guy backup, but Varl approaches and shows that he has it. He doesn't know what it is, but knew it was important to her. Aloy tries to get up, but is struggling to do so. Varl attempts to help her, but Aloy, being stubborn, says she can do it on her own. Varl tells Aloy that they are in an Otaro outpost near where he found her. He tries to get Aloy to take it easy, but she says there is no time and wants to get to the mountains west of Plainsong. Varl tells Aloy that she should speak with Zoe, an Utaro at the outpost. Aloy doesn't think she needs her help, but Varl explains that the mountains west of Plainsong are in Utaro territory, and Zoe can help. Aloy agrees to speak with Zoe. As Aloy and Varl approach, Zoe is singing a Gravesinger song to a plowhorn that is breaking down. She sees Aloy and says she should be resting, but Aloy wants to speak with her now. Zoe says her place is with the plowhorn. When Aloy asks what is wrong with it, Zoe is quick to correct her, saying, Not it. She. This plowhorn is Ray, one of the Utaro land gods. Aloy wants to help with Ray, but Zoe says the condition of Ray is of no concern to her. Varl is able to convince Zoe to allow Aloy to help. Aloy uses her focus and sees the part causing the trouble. She breaks off the part, and Ray starts functioning normally. Now that Ray is fine, Zoe is willing to talk with Aloy. Zoe explains many of the problems the Utaro are having, including dangerous machines coming out of their sacred mountain. Aoi wants to go in the mountain, but Zoe says that is not possible. Only the land gods are allowed in. Aoi explains that something inside could help heal the world, and with some help from Varl, she is able to convince Zoe to help. Zoe says she will go to Plainsong and gather the chorus to ask for permission to go inside the mountain. 
Both Zoe and Varl agree that Aloy needs to rest, and when Zoe tells her that it will take time to gather the chorus, Aloy agrees to stay at the outpost until she heals. Alright, so... Uh, when Aloy, she wakes up, she is in bad shape, right? She, like, she can barely move around, but she's, like, being super stubborn, and she won't accept Varl's help. Of course. You know? You know, she's being super stoic. I'm like, no, help me. Help yeah. me get up. <laughs> Dude, I stub my toe, and I'm like, oh my god, somebody please help. I'm gonna die. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything. Help me. Right. You know, so... But, you know, she's being... I mean... I do understand that they're really trying to push this narrative that she uh, feels she can do, she has to do this alone. She's the only person that can do it. She can do everything by herself. But this is getting ridiculous. I, I kind of feel like they had to add a ridiculous point in it to then show, I guess, a turn, if that makes sense. Like, you have to get like to the peak, especially with how stubborn she's being. It has to be something that's like peak. Because they built this character so high up with, like, I'm going to do this by myself. Something drastic has to happen. Maybe. I mean, but, like, you know, I think I'm going to say this a few times as this podcast continues. It doesn't feel, like, earned. That emotion doesn't feel earned. You yeah. know? She wasn't like this at all in Zero Dawn. Yeah. And we've definitely said, I mean, this is a point we say all the time. But they bring it up. All the time. Like, it's like every yeah. five seconds. <laughs> like, I feel like we talk about it every episode, but it's because she talks about it in, like, every dialogue. Right. Exactly. Like, it just doesn't it feel it doesn't feel like earned at all. Like, why she would. I mean, I understand going, you know, trying to find Gaia by yourself and, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that, because people just may not understand, you know, like, right. for, like so in her, in her defense with Varl, right? She wanted to take Varl into the Sacred Mountain with her. But Varl was like, no, that was for you and the goddess. I'm not ready. And so she wanted that and Varl kind of rejected it. So I can understand her. But now Go he's ahead. ready. But now he's yeah. ready. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. He, he is ready now. But I cannot kind of understand the hesitation, right? Yeah. Like why she left immediately. Like At least I, I can get that. But now we're to the point where. She can she can barely get up. She's hurting at every turn. She's like an eighty year old trying to get out of bed right now, <laughs> and she is just like, "No, I got it. I can do it. I can stand up on my own." Like, it's like watching a toddler be like, you know, resistant to the help of an adult. Like, it's it's silly. That's what it feels like. So, uh, no, like it is getting a little ridiculous. So, but Varl, he has the guy a backup. And he also tells Aloy that she's at an Otaro, Utaro, sorry, uh, outpost and has been there for two days. Uh, so uh, they don't tell you this at first, but she's actually in Stone's Echo. And if, did you find Stone's Echo before this part or no? No. Okay. So if you find Stone's Echo before this part, there's going to be Utaro blocking the entrance and they tell you to turn back. Like they're like, yo, you don't want to be here. This is not for you. <laughs> like, you know, get out of here. I, so they, yeah, there's so much to explore that I was exploring the outer part of the map before right. I got here. So because I was exploring the outer part of the map, I was like, oh, that's the side quest that the Hades one. I was like, oh, that's the side quest I had to do. Might as well do it now or the main quest. Sorry. So one of the salvage contracts, because I that you didn't do the salvage contracts before you did this, right? No, I really think I did like one salvage contract. <laughs> One of the salvage contracts brings you close to here, and that's how I found it, because there was a workbench, and was it a workbench or a campfire? I think it might have been both, and I was like, well, let me go get that campfire, and I tried to get inside, and they were like, no. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll come back here at another point. So, But yeah, you get blocked if you try to get in there but, you know, beforehand, but now we won't have that problem. So, you know, Aloy, she's still trying to stand up, and Varl tries to get her to take it easy but she's like oh there's no time and she's like there's something in the in the mountains west of plain song but he already knew that because she kept mumbling it as he was carrying her to safety so you know again varl he's trying to get her to take it easy because she's like in no shape to make the, to make the journey because she like Aloy is trying to get up and go to the mountains in plain song she could barely as crawl like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly like that's what i said that's why this feels ridiculous yeah, I, like I she can't even. No, 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 no. Like you're right. Like she can't even stand. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And her panic. The thing that 
they don't they have a timeline but they don't have a timeline like they've already wasted six months getting to this point so now she's like oh i have to do this right now like it's it's almost as if she has like a timeline of seven days like oh if i don't do this by the end of the week the play and it's gonna die which could happen but we don't have a real timeline so i feel like it kind of almost also feels ridiculous where it's like oh if i don't do this right now everything's gonna die like no we it's not great but i think we have a little bit of time it's okay yeah exactly and, and you know she did grow up a nora outcast uh, which requires like survivalist skills and stuff like that. But I, 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 I find it hard to believe that Rost wouldn't have taught her that you also need to be like healthy and heal yourself right. if you're hurt. And, you know, cause you'll never survive the wilds going out limping like that, <laughs> you know? So it, 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 like I said, it, it just seems like, I mean, don't get, this is an entire fantasy land, right? But it doesn't seem <laughs> realistic in that fantasy land that she would just kind of, you know, kind of come off like this. She, she's also very narrow minded with the with what she has to do and not thinking about if there's trouble along the way. Right. So yeah. I think that's another thing, too, where she might not be thinking about all aspects of the journey that she has to take just yeah. of the primary function that she has to do, which, yes, is something that only she can do. She is not wrong, but she's not thinking about all of the other steps that she needs help with to do that or trouble yeah. that she will encounter. If she runs into, like, a burrower in this state, she's dead. <laughs> she's, <laughs> no. Exactly. Not to mention, she knows at her destination that Minerva is there. Mm -hmm. And one of her concerns that she brought up is that there are these rogue AIs out there, and the two that she's met have been Hades and Hephaestus. So as far as she's concerned, the rest of them are like that, too. They're crazy and they're, you know, uh, dangerous. I'll and she wants her. to, yeah, you know, and she and she wants to just go out there and just, like, roll the dice. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like you was, she, was, she was barely able to deal with Hades. She was barely able to deal with Hephaestus. Actually, she didn't really deal with Hephaestus. Hephaestus mm -hmm. just, like, you know, they managed to blow up that facility. Hephaestus pieced out, you know, that was it. So, yeah, but you're right. You're right. Like you said, it, it is getting a little ridiculous. But, um, you know, Varl tells her that there's a new Taro named Zoe that she should talk to. And Zoe told Varl that dangerous machines have been coming out of that mountain. And Varl doesn't think that could be a coincidence. You know, smart guy. And uh, Aloy all asks, you know, why they need her help. They could just go to the mountain, you know. And then Varl explains that the cave is in Utaro territory. So, you know, Zoe can, Zoe can help them because it's in their territory. So, like, reluctantly, Aloy agrees to meet Zoe, you know, because she's like, great, another purchase that I'm going to have to ditch later. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how More baggage. More baggage, yeah. So, uh, you know, when Aloy and Varl reach Zoe, she is with other Utaro singing to a plow horn who isn't looking too great. And I'm like, well, did this plow horn also get spit out of a waterfall and drug underneath the current? <laughs> you know, like, is this a trend? <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, Zoe, she's singing the song, and that's because she's an Utaro grave singer. And her role is to ease the passage of moving from one life to the next. So basically, she sings songs, I would say, to dying people, but also dying things like machines and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think she says that's a first right so it's probably you probably don't sing to dying machines often i don't see a burrower in the wild and it's dying and then you're just like let me see the song of passing for you <laughs> right yeah well i was just saying i, I just had to include the machines because she's singing to one that's the first thing we see is her singing to this plow horn yeah so you know anyway she wants to talk to zoe about what's happening in the mountains what's the plane song but zoe's like you know my place is here she's more concerned about the plow horn right and she tells Aloy. You know, I'll talk to you when you heal. I have to deal with this. So this this plowhorn name is actual. It's it's actually Ray. It's not the plowhorn. Uh, you know, she'll take offense to you calling it it. You know, because Aloy calls it it, and she's like, it's not a it. It's a she, and her name is Ray. Or so, she says something to that effect. Uh, and Ray is one of the Utaru land gods. And she is dying. So that's probably why this is a special thing. Like why she's singing to this dying plow horn. And uh, so the land gods are made up of eight plow horns that tended to the land 
that is now playing song. And they made it very fertile, which allowed to the Ataro to sustain life as an uh, agrarian tribe. I say eight because the game says eight. Because well, I should say this. The game does not say eight land gods. The game says they have eight festivals uh, for the land gods each time they make a pilgrimage, which we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. The reason I can test eight is because the land gods are named after the musical scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do is the musical scale. Like, you know, Sound of Music stuff, right? Yeah. But if they were actually eight, that means they have two Do's, which I don't think they do. They could. So I think that, I think that, was, a, I think that was a mistake. I think that was a mistake in the, in the writing. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. You know what's funny, though, is I made that mistake, too, because as you were saying it, I went, through, I went through it with my fingers and I counted eight. <laughs> you saw me yeah. do that. And I was like, yeah, no, there's, <laughs> but it brings you back to dough. Yes, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I think that was a mistake in the writing because, yes, there are eight scales, right? However, the Utaru, don't, they don't know that. They don't know, like... These machines have names. I don't even know how they got how they uh, got the names of the machines. Maybe they were written on the machines. I haven't examined one close enough, but they, they like. But there's no way they just start. They just name the machines themselves. Do re mi fa so la ti. Do maybe. There's no I mean, way they did do, that because maybe. That's a, <laughs> yeah, there's no way they knew about that, right? At least because the, the game does not give you any reference to it there are some things that like some names that kind of like come up in the game later that they give you reference to the old world to there is no old world reference to why the this tribe would call these land gods those names the only thing i can think of is if the land gods themselves had the name written on them Okay, so my my brain is moving a lot and I have to be careful what I say, but you you see that too in later where tribes see things and take it from the old ones and then turn that into something that they do or something that they call themselves or something. And you see big evidence of that. Right. But you don't hear. So I, I actually get what you're saying because it's very everything is very musical. Yeah. With this area and there's no reference to like any of that from the old world right exactly so So that's what i i do believe because so the game says eight right Mm -hmm. the wiki actually says seven who to believe because it makes more sense for seven because i doubt they have two does right do they say eight they did they say eight festivals she says they have eight festivals yeah they have eight festivals every time. Like they have a festival every for year. each time they have a pilgrimage. And they said there's eight. One, she says there are eight festivals. Man, I'm really thinking about this. Like, do they all go at the same? Not at the same. They said it's like every. They, they go individually. There's, every. They, 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 how long is it biannually? Because it's like every. No, two years? It, it's it's a it's annual. Like once a year they make a pilgrimage. I thought it was every two years. Every year they make a pilgrimage. Okay. They have eight festivals a year. I feel like that's a lot, but I guess there's more holidays than just eight, so that's not yeah, that exactly. many. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so I think I, I do think that's a mistake in the game. Oh, it is once a year. Hmm. Yeah, I do think that's a mistake in the game. I think there's only seven land gods. And and she she says it as a matter of fact, like they go in order, do, re, me, and so on. Yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, we I'm trying to think because there is a quest later on where you have to interact with the land gods. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you don't interact with all of them. There's only three that need me to interact with. But I'm pretty sure there's no second doe, which would mean there'll be seven. There's no doe two electric boogaloo. <laughs> <you know? laughs> is that one that you wrote in the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought about it, but I didn't write it down. I was like, Let me throw that out there. <laughs> uh... 10 out of 10. I feel like I have to go back now and look at the, this does not need to be researched this hard. And I feel like <laughs> I need to research it this hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, was the game wrong or, you know, where were we wrong? Are we forgetting something? Cause that, that has happened where I'm like, well, what about this? What about that? Like, that seems wrong. And then like, we dig into it deeper. Like, okay, no, now I understand it. 
But I don't know. I think we got one here. <laughs> I think we got a real one here with this. Maybe. So, maybe. Maybe. So we'll come back to that. Like, so we have a lot of Utaru to de- like stuff to deal with. So maybe as we're rehashing the game, we'll be like, oh, that's why there are eight festivals. Because maybe there's just one big festival. Like, oh, right. the harvest is, you know, the harvest is here. So maybe that's why. You know, we'll see. I'll try to keep that in mind when they talk about the land gods, if they talk about how many there are. Yeah, like if they number the land gods themselves, then yeah. it's like, okay, we, we got them. We got them, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe they just have an extra festival. Maybe maybe there's a harvest festival, like that's what, yeah, the that's first harvest of the year. I feel like that would be a big festival. Maybe, yeah. So, but like, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to it. Maybe look around for some extra glyphs or something. So, <laughs> but either way, these uh, land gods are highly revered and worshipped by the Utaru uh, because they provide everything for the Utaru. Like, it's not just food because obviously they, they, they like I said, they tend to the land and they harvest it. And uh, so obviously there's food there, but they also use like the, the, the plants that come that uh, grow for their clothing, for making tools, for building their buildings, like their entire civilization is built on that, you know. So a land god dying here is a big deal. So that's why Zoe is, you know, not too happy about what she's saying here. So, you know, Aloy notes that Ray is suffering and Zoe says that, you know, her condition is none of Aloy's concern. So, I mean, so far, like, Zoe has not been friendly to Aloy, <laughs> you know, and Varl convinces Zoe that if anybody can help, it's Aloy. So Aloy uses her focus and she, she can see that a part on Ray is causing the issue. She breaks off the part and Ray is like back on her feet. So uh, once that she see once she sees that Ray is okay, Zoe is willing to talk to Aloy. And so, you know, Aloy asks about the caves and I think she gets more than she expected in terms of this answer. Because Zoe just tells her, like, the Otoro having a terrible time right now. Like, everything <laughs> is wrong. Like, the fields are blighted. Uh, and, you know, the land gods that used to fertilize the fields, now they're, I think they're, they're over-fertilizing it as part of the mm-hmm. problem. So, it actually, even before the blight got here, they were having harvest issues or crop issues. Uh, settlements have been abandoned. Uh, you know, because between there's like a war between the Tanakh and the rebels, which we've kind of seen the beginning of, uh, and that's kind of pouring over the Utaro territory. So rebels are prowling the outskirts of the land. On top of that, uh, when we'll talk about this a little later, I'm pretty sure they lost a bunch of settlements when the Karja attacked as well for the Red Raids. So there's that. Um, killer machines are coming out of the Sacred Mountain. Uh, and like, you know, that's also causing them to abandon villages that can't be protected. Right. And one of a a different one of their land gods, Fa went in weeks ago and never returned. Instead, the machines just started pouring out. So one of their land gods went in and they thought that that was like a, uh, a sign that things were returning. Yeah. And no, like she just never came back out or he or she, I don't know if Fa's a he or she, I'm not sure how that works. Um, so Zoe talks about how the land gods, you know, changed up the derangement because they used to be peaceful, but then after the arrangement, they started to attack to the Ataru when they got close. So that tracks with everything else. And instead of enriching the soil, like I said, they started to glut it with mulch. So they were over fertilizing the fields. Now I have no idea what that does to an actual field. It's just, I just can understand that it's bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, like, has this been happening since the derangement began or after? Because if since the derangement began, they've been over-fertilizing the fields. I mean, that was 10 years ago. So, like, can they survive 10 years of bad harvest? Or does over-fertilization take years to, like, really take effect? Oh, man. I'm not a cropologist, but... <laughs> also called farmers. But um, there you go. Actually, there's a, there's there's actually another name that, like for like yeah, I think there's like soil scientists out there. There I think we go. It's an actual field of work, a soil scientist. I'm not a but soil scientist cropologist. here. <laughs> <laughs> we go cropologist, so soilologist. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, over fertilization will make it unfertile because you need a balance of everything in order to grow. So. 
the machines, I mean, 10 years ago, yeah, they started becoming more deranged, but it wasn't a hard hit until like a, what, a few years prior to the game happening, right? Yeah, and that's the thing, because even with the derangement, right, the machines still did their jobs. Like the grazers right. were still grazing, but they, like, especially in the beginning of the derangement, they still did their job, but now they started turning and attacking on on people as opposed to just running away yeah and and i think that's the same process that happened here so like they might have noticed something funny happening 10 years ago but it wasn't as serious as it is now so their harvest has probably been declining up to this point and then just now with the blight and bad harvest maybe a year prior starting a few years prior just now is is the the catalyst that not the catalyst, right the well, one thing i'm sorry go ahead i, I, I couldn't think of the word i was saying so i kept going so it's fine that you cut me <laughs> off <laughs> yeah so like uh one thing that i you know we, uh, we mentioned a little earlier that i should probably should have brought up first is that you know the land gods used to visit the sacred cave every year that was the pilgrimage we were talking about Mm-hmm. And what would happen, they would go into this, they would, uh, you know, go into this cave, they would come out completely new, no scratches, no sacred markings, uh, you know, so clearly something was happening in the cave, I'm assuming some type of cauldron, right, based off of what they're saying, were they getting repaired or were they getting replaced? Yeah, that's kind of the question. Oh, I uh, see. I thought that they would just be getting, you know, repaired and, and cleaned up and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. But, but right now, we don't really know. I think we get more of a definite answer later. But that was my question at this point. Like, were they being repaired or were they being replaced? And then, like I said, with each with the return of each land god, uh, they had a festival to celebrate, you know, this, this, this cycle. And uh, now they don't do that. And because they don't do that, they've kind of started to fall apart, which I think that's what led to the overfertilization, not necessarily the derangement. So maybe it did take some time. Like after the derangement started, actually, because they don't really give us a timeline on this. When did they stop going to the sacred cave? Was it 10 years ago? Because the derangement started, they're not going to the sacred cave, whatever they're doing, getting repaired or replaced, whatever's happening isn't happening anymore so they start to break down and now uh yeah they're just not really working anymore even though i don't think we've really we've really never seen any of the other machines just break down over time though we know that grazers and uh chargers like the the, like actually like any of the machines that carry loads or or carry materials they take those materials back to the cauldron Mm-hmm. But we've never, like, they take it to the cauldron, drop it off, because the cauldrons run off of blaze, right? So I, f- I forget what the class is. I think it's, a, it's called, I think the, the machines are called acquisition class machines, where they acquire a resource and they take it back to a cauldron. But we've never really seen them, like, go in there and get, like, repaired or anything like that. Like, uh, a behemoth is an acquisition class machine, and it just drops stuff off at the cauldron. And I, we don't, we've never really seen it go in, get polished up, and then come back out. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, why would they have to go back to the cauldron to then have a new one come out if they weren't being repaired? Well, I mean, like, it could be the old one goes in, gets disassembled, and recycled, you know? Mm. Or, like, it could be that it's just getting repaired. So. True. I don't know the answer to this because I totally missed it. So I'm, I am really just theory crafting right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like we mentioned earlier, Fa had gone in. They thought that marked the return of the sacred of the like the the cycle, and that happened three weeks ago. So we know that happened three weeks ago, and then she never came out. And so for three weeks, only dangerous machines have been coming out. And I'm like, but aren't all machines dangerous now? <laughs> you know, like, isn't that like that kind of the MO? Like all machines are dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but Varl thinks the machine that machines are being made inside the mountain like a cauldron, and Aloy agrees. But she also says she's never machine seen machines come and go out of a cauldron like the land gods. So this is something new for us. And like I said, I, I think it will make more sense down the road once we actually enter the sacred mountain because obviously we're going to be going in there. We have to. Minerva is going to be there. 
So. Right. Well, the thing that you said, though, is like or that we both said with the derangement, especially within the past, like if it was just the past few years where the machines have been not doing their standard cycle because they're just like extra deranged. Aloy wouldn't have seen that anyway, because her time outside of the sacred lands, even outside of like, was it Mother's? heart a mother's embrace that she was in the, the embrace yeah the embrace yeah like the specific spot she was in she wouldn't have seen that anyway she was very protected very sheltered so if this is a thing that started happening like three years prior she would have never experienced machines doing their standard routine anyway right that is true you, you are 100 correct about that so uh so aoi says she wants to get into the cave but zoe isn't very happy about that i need to get into that cave what no one does that. Well, it's time to make an exception. It belongs to the land gods. Look, so there is something inside there. Something that could solve problems all over the world. The storms, the derangement. <laughs> Maybe even your broken land gods. What could possibly do all that? A spirit? Yeah. Something like that. I could... Journey back to Plainsong. Assemble the chorus. Tell how you soothed Ray. Ask their permission to go inside. Great. I'll get my things. She needs rest. You don't have to tell me. I'm fine. Assembling the chorus will take time. Heal first. Then join me. Bed rest. I got it. So, you know, Zoe's like, the cave is off limits, uh, which will make sense since it's, it's a sacred cave. Uh, you know, uh, even though she's been in a sacred cave before. Actually, I'm pretty sure Varl says that. Like, he says that in the dialogue earlier. This wouldn't be your first sacred cave. And, you know, Aloy says that something inside could help with, like, the storms, the blight, the derangement. And Zoe asks, well, what can cause that? And Varl's like, a spirit. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and Aloy's like, yeah, something like that. So, which I, I mean, I think Varl is being like super helpful here because he is definitely the bridge between Aloy and everybody else. Like, you know, oh, nobody yeah. else knows about what's happening. He kind of understands. So he's like, he knows he, he understands that something more technical, like it's not like a god, even though he did think the fake Gaia was a goddess, you know, which was funny. <laughs> you know, was he did funny. think the fake Gaia was a goddess. But, you know, he's able to kind of translate. Um, but I don't know, like, I don't know, dude. Like, it's still, it bothers me that Aloy is unable to empathize or communicate with these people better. Like, it's like, I understand that you're enlightened now. Like, you have a deep, you have a, don't, you don't even have a deep understanding of it. Silence has a deep understanding of what's happening. Yeah. She doesn't have a deep understanding. She just kind of understands more. But at the same time, at one point, this was your whole world, too. You know, but she never like s subscribed to the idea of like she always questioned like, well, why is it this way? Like, why are we not allowed to do that? Why are the rules like that? Why are we an outcast? Like she always questioned the things that were being taught to her her entire life. So she never really fully believed in it. Oh, no, I, I, I totally agree. However, her entire life up until the time when she was like 18, 19. She had Rost, who was a deep believer. So he yeah. definitely talked about it a lot, you know? So, like, she wouldn't, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of feel like, like, how would she talk to Rost about this? You know what I'm saying? Like, she could empathize with Rost, you know? Yeah. Because even when, even when Rost was telling her that we could, they can never, like, he can never see her again, right? She was, like, trying to find a way, a, like, a workaround for it that worked with his beliefs, you know what I'm saying? Like she was able to, to kind of like empathize and understand, okay, well, he may not, like he may not be able to talk to me, but I can talk to him, you know, like he, she was able to work around it. And, you know, Aloy is just not doing it at this point. She's, it feels like she's just kind of getting flustered with people, not understanding instantaneously and instantaneously, you know, what's happening. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, it's definitely different with Ross because, first off, she didn't know any of the things that she knows now. Right. So there's that. 
I, I guess that's like the main thing. <laughs> she doesn't know that stuff. So I wonder if she feels like, well, if he would have listened to me when I knew this stuff, maybe things would have been different. Well, she knows that. Like, Ross was like a deep, deep believer. Yeah. You know, like he, uh, even if she knew everything, even if she went to that cave and got a knowledge download matrix style with everything that was <laughs> happening and came out talking about it, Ross, like, wouldn't have. No, like he 100%, like he was in, he was in with the goddess, you know. Or maybe just no. the way she sees it is she sees how it's controlled other people's lives and made people destroy themselves or sacrifice themselves or, you know, not be all of themselves for the sake of something that's not even real. And so she just gets mad that people are still in that quote unquote delusion. She doesn't think about how that may affect uh, so if you think about like the frozen wilds where there was that one side quest where the two people are trying to get into the white tooth or whatever the white heck teeth. that white, white teeth, teeth. where where at the end the one the girl that got into it was like you don't believe in any of this stuff do you well that doesn't matter because this is my whole life and i do believe in it so you know it doesn't matter what you're saying to right. me but she doesn't that's like the only time someone actually said something like that to her. She doesn't think about it that way. She just thinks people are brainwashed and delusional. That's true. And the thing is, like, it makes her ineffective. It makes her ineffective because mm -hmm. Varl, like, Varl is the reason she Zoe says what she says next, which is that she can go back to plain song, assemble the chorus, which is the Ataro governing body, uh, tell them about how Aloy, you know, healed Ray, and then ask for, for permission to go inside. If Varl doesn't say what he said, you know, because if Aloy is just kind of like, oh, I can't explain it. And Varl, like, you know, Varl's like, it's a spirit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, oh, it's a spirit? Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Varl, like, is what led her to at least move to that point because if Zoe does not move, right? If Zoe's like, I'm, I'm not, like, like, I'm not gonna do anything about this. I doubt Aloy is going to be able to get the chorus to speak to her because, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but the Utaru are, they're not as bad as the Nora when it comes to outsiders, but they don't want to deal with you if you're not in Utaru for the most part. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, like it makes Aloy ineffective to not be able to communicate on their level, even if they don't understand it. You know, which she did do to a certain point in, in the zero past. Dawn. Yes. In Zero Dawn. Yes, she yeah. did. She did. She did it with Varl. She did it with Varl. Yeah. You know, because I, I can't remember specific instances, but I know times where she was like, it's a god. So something that wasn't a god, but just to make it easier to be like, oh, it's basically a god that does X, Y and Z. Well, that's the thing. Like when she came out of the sacred mountain. She didn't. She didn't start talking about Gaia and Zero Dawn. Also, she says the goddess told me right. <laughs> that I need to go to, to Meridian and and stop uh, like and stop the Metal Devil. That, right. That was what she was completely able to do. That and now it's like she's just like oh like you know I I can't take this anymore. Six months <laughs> on the road does a lot to someone. That's true. So, but it's like she's <laughs> forgot her communication skills. It makes her. I feel it takes away from her character because mm -hmm. it makes her a bit more unrelatable. Yeah. Yeah. I you said know? that before too, though. She had a lot of charm. Like a lot of people came for her at the end of zero dawn. She had a lot of charm in a way with people that people were just like, Oh, I love this outcast savage. Let's go hang yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Savage. Like I remember, so remember that guy who that stole the fruit. That was so funny. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Aloy, you know, she says she's going to go get her things, but she can still barely walk. So, you know, Zoe and Varl agree that she needs to rest. And Aloy's like, oh, I'm fine. Obviously, she's not. Uh, Zoe says assembling the chorus will take some time. So, you know, Aloy should go heal first. And then Aloy agrees. You know, she, she goes and lays down. Uh, so a few times during the talk with Zoe, you can see that Zoe and Varl have formed like a romantic relationship, which... I have questions, but let's just let's just talk a couple of examples, right? So while Zoe was talking about all the problems the Utara were having, Varl comforts her and says they won't give up. And 
Zoe looks at him and puts his her hand on his arm. And then while Zoe was explaining what a grave singer does, uh, she says that Aloy soothed the machine more than she ever could. And Varl comforts her, saying, "Well, without the second sight, you did all you could. You know, it's fine." See, you know? I- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and um. You know, Aloy thanks Zoe for taking them in, and Varl mentions that they were lucky to find her, and he says he doesn't think anyone else could have let them, any, anyone else would have let them in or stayed by their side to make sure Aloy was comfortable. And then, finally, once Aloy goes to rest, Zoe pulls Varl aside, and she starts talking to her, she, t- talking to Varl, and she's like, you know, Aloy doesn't need you to heal, you should come with me to the plane song, and Varl's like, oh, I'm gonna stay behind to make sure she doesn't run off. And Zoe seems a little bit, she seems like kind of frustrated with the answer. And, uh, you know, she says, it's like, it's okay. And she says, really? And then, like, you know, she said, you know, she just you know, starts heading off. And Varl, like, assures her that, you know, it's not that he doesn't want to go. And Zoe kind of lets him know everything's okay by by kissing him. So Aloy sees everything, right? They and did not walk far. They did not. No, she, they did not. She doesn't just see everything. <laughs> she hears everything. Yeah, she sees everything. She hears everything. But here's the thing: like this is making Aloy uncomfortable. It is clear that they make it's making Aloy uncomfortable. This is like L.A. Noir when they wanted you to know someone was lying. <laughs> yeah, that's the style of facial animation that they did. Okay, so like one of the conversations, it was the second sight one. I was like, they they were just. They were just staring at each other, like just looking like eye to eye. And you could tell by their body language, like you were saying, like they weren't like kind of in a circle. They were more faced towards each other. And like they just kept staring at each other. Like Zoe would like look at Varl as she's talking to Aloy and then look at Aloy and then look at Varl like for, you know, confirmation. And Aloy could tell you could see Aloy is just like, bro. Yeah. And I had people say, like, oh, she's so jealous. And I, I don't think it's jealousy. I think it's just a uncomfortable, like, okay, this is happening kind of situation. But the question is why? Like, th- it doesn't make sense for her to be uncomfortable with that. Like, it seemed like jealousy to me, that, like, which does not make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense because there's been no definitive actions taken or shown by Aoi. That she has feelings for Varl. Like, yes. And I don't I don't think it's jealousy. I think it's just like a, a situation. I don't know if you've been in situations where it's like you have a friend and then there's a person that they're just like really into, but you don't really know that. But then you see that interaction with them and, and you're like, okay, that's kind of awkward. Like, not for me. Like, I'm embarrassed for you. Well, it's only awkward if the re- if the feelings aren't reciprocated. It's no, but, it's still awkward. Do you, any anytime people are like trying to flirt with each other in front of me, I'm like, hey, I'm I'm right here. Zoe and Varl aren't flirting with each other though. But That's it's the like thing. That body language, man, like that body language that they have, just like go body language somewhere else. I can understand if it was like awkward flirting or like awkward conversation between them or any, something like that. But it wasn't. It was like an established relationship. Like they both understood that they like each other. Like they, they both understood they like yeah. each other. She's okay with touching him. He's okay with her touching him. You know, stuff like that. Like he's taking every action to comfort her and stuff like that. Like it's it's an established kind of relationship. It's like okay, it's a surprise to Aloy. Like oh, I didn't know you you were feeling somebody. My bad. Yeah. Like, you know, like, that's the thing. But like the way her, it, it's mainly like her facial expressions like the way she like looks down and looks around and like you know the way she kind of looks like almost sad about it to a degree like somebody's taking my borrow away like that's what she's <laughs> that, that that is the the, the, the feeling that she kind of gives off about so this. I, there could be a lot of emotions and she sh- she could also be jealous but not like jealous in like a romantical sense but jealous as a like not it's kind of like what you're saying like someone's taking my bar away like now there's someone else like that's in the picture it's so uh, okay the thing about that though is like if that's the case like let's say it's not romantic at all which i don't think it is because there's no implication of it uh even if she's jealous that somebody else is getting varl's attention that has not been earned on her part because especially in this game you know she has done everything to separate herself from Varl, she left the party. 
She left him behind in Meridian. She left him behind again in um, Baron Light. Like, it's, you know, he had the heal, but she didn't stay behind with him to make sure he was okay. You know, she didn't do any of that. That has not been earned. This entire, like, emotion has not been earned by her. Like, she has no right to be jealous or upset. And from a, from a writing perspective, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would she be jealous at all? Why would she be upset? at all about this surprised different story but we didn't get surprised from this we got jealous or upset like you know what i'm saying we got like it wasn't surprised you know it wasn't even awkward because the interactions between varl and at least from in my opinion the interactions between varl and zoe were not awkward it was like okay varl has met somebody that he is feeling like you know like yeah that's the thing so it's also, I think people express feelings very differently too. So I know if I were in that situation, I'd be like, what the, what some, something, something's happening here that I don't know about. So I might make the same faces as Aloy. Yeah. Maybe like I said, surprise. Like I, I would expect surprise, yeah. yeah. but it wasn't like they were trying to hide anything. That's what I said. The interaction wasn't awkward. So that's why I kind of feel like. You know, like it wasn't earned like at all. Like, you know, we I think Var like toward the end of Zero Dawn, Varl did express some romance. I think it was toward the end. I can't remember when he says it, but he or maybe it was actually it wasn't maybe it wasn't toward the end. Maybe it's like the first time you kinda before you go to Meridian, like after you do the the Devil's Ring or what was it called? The it was in like Devil's Thirst. The the ring in Devil's Thirst. Like where you have to go in and blow up the blaze. Oh, the metal ring? The metal it's ring. Literally yeah. just the metal yeah. Ring. The metal <laughs> ring. And I think he says something like, you know, I'd like to see you again or something like that. That's the most we've seen Varl express romantic interest in the game. And he was just another one to throw into the pile at this point. Cause uh, you know, um who? It was uh Aaron. Aaron first, then Varl, then Avad. You know, like it was like that's the most we've seen. And then toward the end of the game, when they were in the Sacred Mountain, he didn't express any romantic interest. He was just like, oh, you got to you got to go into the Sacred Mountain and see the goddess, you know? Yeah. And 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 even the like that kind of comment could have just been like one, they're young two, like there's a lot going on and three, like, oh, cute girl. And she can fight. Let me shoot my shot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, We haven't even had a romantic like dialogue option on Aloy's side. Not like with I think Avada is the only one who we've had an actual even just a little bit to show romantic interest because you can kind of show romantic interest. But this is just a bad time right now with Avad. Yeah. Uh, But you yeah, you can't do that with Varl at all. So, yeah, I guess ultimately it's just kind of, it feels a bit unearned. Like, it feel, it, her reaction to it feels uh, awkward to me. Like, why are you, like, why is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I can see that. And like I said, the the jealousy part, I, I definitely don't think it's from a romantic stance. And if she is jealous, then she has no right to be. However, with her character, like, she seems like she's owed every thing without doing anything because she's already done things is kind of how it feels like her character is so it would make sense why she would be acting like this but it is unearned yeah it's kind of like what do you mean leaving him behind wasn't it wasn't like drawing him to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was it worked that's true you want to go find him that's because he's like a good friend so he knows that she's gonna need help so yeah. But uh, once Varl and Aloy are alone in the hut, Aloy actually tells Varl she should, you know, he should go with Zoe. And Aloy promises she won't run off and that she'll meet up with him in plain song. So Varl's like, oh, wait up, Zoe. And like goes after, goes after Zoe. And uh, that is officially the end of Death's Door. I thought that was all an interlude, but it's not. I think that's actually the official end of Death's Door. Uh, and yeah. we get a new main quest, The Dying Land. See, I remember Death's Door saying it was done. Yeah, it does. Sometime as as, before then, though. like in, As soon as you break that wall yeah. in the facility for the water to flow through, it then, says Death's Door is done. Yes, but it doesn't say another quest starts until the end of this. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, this is like the, 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 you know, the post show for, mm-hmm. for Death's Door. Uh, but yeah, now we do have a new main quest, uh, which is level 15. It is uh, the Dying Lands, which is going to lead us to Plainsong. 
So before we head to Plain Song, we're actually going to do a, a, a couple things. We're going to talk a bit about No Man's Land. I think we're going to co- uh, tackle a couple side quests. But first, I do want to talk a bit about the Utaru. Because now that we've actually engaged with them, like, kind of fully, like, we've, we had some engagement with them in Zero Dawn. Very, very little. Like, you have one person to talk to. And in Sunfall, there are two Utaru, but you can't interact with them at all. So, uh, yeah, like, I just want to talk about them a little bit. So, you know, the Utaru, we know they settled in Plain Song because of the plow horns that tended the land, right? Uh, that made it, like, why would you not live there? Like, there's <laughs> a, an abundance food. of food. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why they settled there. Uh, from time to time, they were plundered by their next door, the tribe next door, which is the Tanakh. But eventually they were able to create like a peace by giving them a portion of the harvest. So they, they established trade. So the Otaro would give the Tanakh food and the Tanakh would send veterans to teach the Utaru how to fight. And that actually works out even for the Tanakh because we're going to find out more about their culture later. But the older you get in the Tanakh, like, it's it's not necessarily so great. So um, the Utaro actually did. They had to stop those trading practices with the Tanakh due to the land gods breaking down and not being enough food. But the uh, the Tanakh didn't break. Well, the whole deal's off then. Like, you know, I think the Tanakh stopped trading people with them, stopped trading vet- veterans, but they didn't start attacking them again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, but they had to stop their ritual called the Rite of Discovery for new chorus members because it became too dangerous which is a side quest about that later as well. And then soon after that, they had to start dealing with Jaron's Red Raids, uh, which are initially, they also tried to appease them by giving them gifts of grain, but those people just end up getting slaughtered or enslaved. I was going to say or both, but you can't be both. You can't be slaughtered and enslaved. Well, you, <laughs> so, you can be slaughtered later. That is true. You can be enslaved and slaughtered, but you can't be slaughtered and enslaved. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but it says that the slaughter was so bad that it actually turned the harvest black with blood. Uh, and that's actually something that's mentioned in the zero dawn glyph. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Me either. Maybe there is just hyperbole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, um, plain song was relatively safe due to the geography, but many of the Utah settlements were raided and burned to the ground. And the chorus refused to do anything except defend, but a small group of Utaro, you know, actually started enacting guerrilla warfare on the Karja. And that group also helped the Tanakh push back the Karja past Baron Light. And we're going to find out more about that later because Zoe was actually involved in that. So when we find out more about Zoe, we'll kind of get the, I don't want to say the full story, but more of the full story. Uh, so naturally, the, the Ataro are mostly vegetarian, right? Because, you know, plain song, there's a lot of plants. They eat a lot of plants. But more recently, uh, they've had to start eating meat because of the blight. And like I mentioned earlier, most of their architecture is built with plant material. Uh, so you can see that, like, you know, everywhere, you know, Utaro territory. Like, that is one thing I will say. Like, they do a really good job of making the areas distinctive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not just with like you know the colors and how they look, but also with the architecture, because yeah. the architecture kind of had this history. It has a history of the tribe there, uh, but they actually did learn some metallurgy from the Tanakh. So maybe that's how they build their weapons, because you don't really find any metal in their buildings. Uh, so you know their worldview is centered around the cycle of life, and that makes sense because they're obsessed with plants, <laughs> and so they acknowledge that life comes to an end, and through death there will be you know they'll sustain new life. Uh, so the young Utaro select a pouch of seeds to carry with them throughout life. And when they die, those seeds are planted and the Utaro live through the new growth. At least that's what they believe. And the idea is that as long as the dead are remembered, they'll continue to harvest and make, you know, contribute to the harvest and make them bountiful. And there's actually a quest in Zero Dawn about this. And I don't know if they decided to switch it or if this is something else, but you don't have to, it's not about a pouch. Like it's like, a bracelet that had seeds or something like that. Yeah. Like, so I don't know if they decided to switch it from a bracelet to a pouch or if this is another thing like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Some of them have bracelets too, you know? <laughs> so like, you know, that's that, but it was the, yeah, there was a side quest where you had to help well, part of a side quest where you had to help a, a Otaro pilgrim get like, well, you had to kill, what'd you have to do? You had to kill snap jaws, snap, snap maws. Snap maws. Yeah. You kill snap, snap maws. Snap and so that you yeah, snap maw. Yeah, it's not no. Snapjaw. Snapmaw. You had it right. Isn't that the... 
the big the hippos? No, the hippos are Oh, they're wide moths. I'm sorry. Okay. Wide moths, yeah. Woo. So the the snap maw, um, you had to kill them so that she can go find this bracelet. You know, I, I was very confused about that quest at that time. Like that's it has a spot in my brain because I'm like, what did any of that mean? And now it makes sense, except for the bracelet yes. part. <laughs> <laughs> well, she kind of explains what she's gonna do with the seeds. So yeah. it's like, okay, cool. But now you didn't realize how important it was to their culture. Uh, so. Uh, the Ataru are still distrustful of the Karja. They are the only tribe that has uh, declined the Karja's offer of reconciliation for the Red Raids. Which we learned that earlier in, uh, you know, when uh, the whole uh, embassy happened. But, yeah, so they have no real interest to deal with the Karja, even though... They're still kind of dealing with their own problems with the with the harvest and stuff like that. But then again, like you actually didn't. I'm pretty sure the commander there said you would. He says I think he said something effective. You'd think they'd be more open to trade. No, it wasn't commander. I think it was uh, Lawan said you think they'd be more yeah. open to trade because they're having like a like a food shortage. Yes. So like it, it would make more sense for them to want to trade with the Karja. So, but then they could be on their Nora like, well, if we just keep praying and singing songs, the land gods will come back. <laughs> you know, we won't need the Karja anyway. We should focus, you know, we should focus on that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's really what they are. They're very hard-headed on, like, the circle of life and, you know, what happens, happens. Right. Like, well, yeah, yeah we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because we're definitely going to talk about uh, how seriously they take that cycle. Uh, so now the Ataro appear to be based on African tribes, like based on their clothing, also based on how their culture is very in tune with music to a degree. Like everything's about songs and harmony, and the governing body is called the chorus. Uh, but mostly like based on like what they're wearing and like the way their architecture is built, you know, except for plain song, plain song looks like a, a, a big leaf, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but like outside of plain song, when you look at like their huts and things like that now, I mean, I'm going to, I'll be straight up with you. I am not an expert on any tribe, but when I look at pictures, that's what it looks like to me and actually it's funny like i think the archetypes and of tribes and horizon is actually pretty interesting because some tribes i feel like they're based on fantasy tropes and other tribes are based on real tribes like for example uh the asarams are clearly dwarves like they're clearly a dwarf archetype oh yeah yeah they 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 drink a lot of beer. They build like guns. They you know what I'm saying like you know they 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 forge things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what dwarves do. They forge things. Uh, so you know that that the, the Osram are clearly dwarves, but the Karja are more like high elves. <laughs> you know, based on the you know the like their their main city sits on the top of a mesa. You know, it's it's like even the the Osram are impressed by how well the Karja build structures, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have their, the clothing that they wear. I think they're the only race, not the only race, but the only tribe that wears makeup, not face paint. Makeup. Makeup. Yep. They definitely wear makeup. And also their attitude. You know, they're calling everybody savages. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what do they call, I'm trying to remember what they actually called the Tanakh, not savages. The blood drinkers? What are they? No, no, no. It, it was, I said it was a step above savage. Barbarians. Barbarians. There we go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they called them barbarians, yo. That's because the, 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 those barbarians can kick their ass. Like, that's why. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, so those are kind of feel, I feel like they're based on fantasy tropes, but the other tribes are like kind of based on real tribes. Like, I feel like the Nora are based on like the Norse. Like the tribal Norse. That's what it kind of feels like based on the clothing that they wear, based on how their uh, buildings are built. Um, and then the Banuk are like the Inuit. I think that's how you pronounce it. Like Inuit. Or like, I think they're like, you might know the, like them as Eskimo, right? But I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to say Eskimo anymore. I'm pretty sure that that is out. Eskimo's out and it's Inuit. I'm not sure. It's not something I talk about often, so I'm not. 
But that would make sense. The only reason I even dis- even like I, I thought about it to look it up and I couldn't get like a clear answer on it mm-hmm. is uh, because I heard somebody say that Eskimo was a slur. And I was like, really? Like, it's not like I said it a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not right. like I use that word. In, like, you know, not even once a year. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? But it's like, so I looked into it and it was like, they're called like Inuit. That's what, you know, that tribe is called. But the Banuk are clearly Inuit, right? Um, you know, so you could tell based off of the clothing, the climate that they're in, the architecture of their buildings, right? The Utaru, like we said, is an uh, based off of African tribes. And then the Tanakh, they're like clearly based off a of Native American tribe. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's just, I think it's like, it's just kind of interesting because you do have fantasy tropes mis- mixed with actual real, I guess, like real life tribes. So I thought that was like pretty interesting. I just saw, oh, this is a cool tribe. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Except the oh, Karja. I didn't, I didn't think the Karja were that cool. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, I said they feel like high elves. I didn't say that was cool. Right. Like, just right, right, like, right. You know, just based off of that, that <laughs> attitude. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're going to close it up here. Like I said, on the next episode, we're going to talk a bit about no man's land. We're going to get into the salvage contracts. Uh, we're also going to talk about, I think like two side quests before we move forward with, uh, you know, with the main quest. We're also going to talk about that rebel camp. We talked about the rebel outpost before we're going to talk about that rebel camp. The one that's contested that Christina still thinks is right next to the Rebel Outpost. Right next to it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about all that. So, how how are you feeling right now, Christina? I'm, at this point, so excited to finally be on the path to go to Plainsong. Because it's they talked about it a lot. And it's very bright on the map. So I did a lot of side quests up to this point. And then I was like, okay, story time, because I now need to know what's happening. Like once, I think I did a couple of side things between like, like one side thing between here and the next part. But like at this part, I was like, oh, I need to know what happens next because the last quest was too many questions. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get answers or at least some kind of progress at this point. Right. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm trying to think of where, like, I was actually kind of, I really wanted to get the plain song, because I, I thought, I was like, oh, I only have one side quest to do, but it turns out I had two side quests to do, because I actually, before I even went into Death's Door, I had, I'm pretty sure I did all the salvage contracts, pretty sure I did all the salvage contracts, so I was pretty much, at this point, ready to go in No Man's Land. Mm -hmm. I did find one more side quest to do in that area before that, but I couldn't do it. It was like a level 22 side quest and you need something later on in the game to actually complete the side quest. So that's why we're not going to get into it next time. But I, I actually didn't do that before, but I did a lot of stuff before doing, was it hell's gate? Is that what it's called? Hell's gate. That's door. That's door. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was so close. That was very close. I, I, no. <laughs> Hell's Gate Death's Door. Same thing. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Okay. We'll roll uh, yeah, I did most of the side quests before, before that. So... <laughs> I'm thinking like you're saying it's basically the same thing. I'm like, yeah, and those two camps are right next to each other. They are. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, like I was I was pretty much ready to get to playing song like after this. So it didn't take me too long. I didn't have I didn't linger for too long after this. But the, the next two side quests are pretty interesting. I think the next two side quests are pretty impactful because one you meet up with an old friend and one you you do close the book on on the the shadow carja in my opinion a book that really didn't need to be reopened <laughs> but when no, they it reopened it <laughs> but you do you do get to close the book on the shadow carja so i will say this since they went through the trouble of putting the shadow carja into the second game 
Just bring him back for the third game. <laughs> Just bring him back. Like, ah, you thought you got us all, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. I, I just think it'll be funny. Make it as campy as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, oh, you'll never get all the bombs in time, Aloy. <laughs> you know, like something <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, my. Like, <laughs> I love and hate that guy. Oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're still out there. They're just calling themselves something different, like the path of the twilight. What did they call themselves? The twilight. The the yeah, the twilight something. You think uh, you think they're Team Edward or Team Jake Jacob? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're clearly Team Edward based on how sad they were. So. Aww. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and clean this, not clean this up, but wrap this up. I was going to say clean this up before it gets out of control. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to follow what's going on with this show and the other shows in the Mashes Buttons Network, you can follow us on Twitter.com slash the Mash Network. Uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also the host of another podcast on the network called Wondrous Tales, and we talk about Final Fantasy XIV content. And you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus. You sometimes you can also find me uh, streaming here on Twitch uh, at Twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to join, have you join the Discord. So, you know, find us on mash.gg slash Discord, uh, where we do have channels for Lightkeeper Protocol, Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the show with the comments and questions. Uh, so please reach out to us on the Discord, or you can contact us on Twitter, or you can just email us at contact.mash.gg. If you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and rate and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you want to take support a bit further, you can do that by visiting mtb.gg support, where you can see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons, including Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Mash Those Buttons, where you can... So you can support this show by uh, joining the the general membership tier, which is like $2 a month. So uh, we also have a Teespring store uh, that has merch. So you can do that at merch.mash.gg. Uh, we have Twitch subscriptions available at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. We do have Humble Bundle affiliate links. Uh, in you know, if you've never used the Humble store before, when you buy a game from there, you just get download codes for Steam, Epic Game Store. You don't have to download a new launcher or anything like that. Uh, so if you want to buy your games there, that'll give us a little bit of a kickback and help us out without costing you anything extra. And we do also have one-time PayPal donation links. So, uh, yeah, it's all at mtb.gg support. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Nashville's Buttons. And with that, we are done with this episode. We'll see you on the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 